Welcome back, everyone. This is our latest episode of No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. I'm Arthur Staple. Uh, we're still in lockdown as we get into May. Maybe some hints of, uh, of hockey coming around the corner. But uh, for now, we're talking to a special guest, someone who um, is from Long Island, is a big Islander fan, and that's why he's here, but also is an accomplished chef and restaurateur. Let's welcome Harold Dieterle to the show. Harold, welcome. Arthur, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. It's great to have you here. Now, uh, I think a lot of people know you from uh, winning the inaugural season of Top Chef, which yep. uh, I believe was 14 years ago. I don't know if it <laughs> feels that long ago to you or not, but... Um, not nearly as long as uh, this quarantine is the last thing. It's like Groundhog's Day <laughs> around here. You got small kids, I, you know what it's like. Exactly, exactly. And I imagine uh, being affiliated in the, with the food industry is must be even more difficult. But uh, how, how did your how did your life change after winning, and and if you still pay attention to the show, uh, how much has that changed if you watch Top Chef now? Yeah, I, um, I think my, I mean, my life changed. Uh, it was tremendous. You know, I met my, I met my wife while uh, I was at the Food and Wine Class, Classic in Aspen, which was, you know, which was wonderful. Um, and they've really, uh, they've really refined this show. Um, you know, when the first season, they weren't very culinary savvy. They were, you know, used to producing Project Runway and. Mm-hmm. Um, not used to handling food that was time sensitive. And, you know, Tom Clerkio was very instrumental in, you know, streamlining the the judging process and making, you know, making the producers and, and the production team aware that food kind of just doesn't wait. And, you know, you can't just operate on the same timeline that they, that they were used to working on. That's interesting. And, uh, you know, do you ever kind of revisit some of those old shows? I, kn- I know that there's, I think there's even someone from your, from your season that's on the current, uh, all-stars season. So there's people who go back. I don't know that you have, but, uh, do you kind of have a, a fond um, nostalgia for it? Yeah. I mean, I don't mind going back as a judge. I feel like I'm semi-retired from the competitive <laughs> cooking aspect of it. Honestly, like it's, it's not easy at the the cooking is actually the easy part because that's the natural part for everyone. And the sitting around and waiting and, um, you know, that whole that whole aspect in the drama isn't I, I, I certainly didn't really relish that aspect of the of the competition. Some people some people do some people do enjoy that show's showmanship. But that wasn't I, I, I like going back every once in a while and judging and catching up with everybody at school. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Leanne Wong. So uh, sad to see her. Sad to see her get sent home. She's she's amazing and super talented. That's great. And uh, you don't currently have a restaurant now, but you had a couple of really popular ones in the city, Perilla, Kin Shop, um, you know, and it's everybody understands the challenges that are that's facing the restaurant industry. You're a New Yorker. It feels like it's even it's even greater there now. Um, what is that like to be in that world through this lockdown? And how do you see it coming out of it on the other side? I, I don't see it coming out very well unless there's some federal aid. I mean, the, you know, the SBA and the PPP loans really aren't geared towards uh, independent restaurant needs. Um, and even chain, even the chain restaurants, it's just, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stipulations that they've set where, you know, the vast majority of those loans need to be geared towards payroll. It just doesn't make sense when, you know, you're, when you're selling, selling products where it's a cost of goods, uh, focused business. So it's, it's twofold. It's, it's, you know, you can bring on, bring your staff back, which is what the, the money is, is geared to be used towards, which is great, but you don't know if people are actually going to show up and purchase your food. And 
you, it, and, and, you know, the vast majority of your expenses, you know, the, the labor aspect of a restaurant is generally you want to keep your labor around 30% or under, um, the, you know, the remaining 70%, where's that, where's that money going to come from? And if you're not mm-hmm. busy, when you reopen, you're in big trouble. And I just don't see people wanting to, you know, be on top of each other in a New York city dining room, the way, it, you know, the way it was, I think it's, I, I, we're in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad to think about, you know, that, uh, if there's anything that New York city feels known for, it's that, that atmosphere of, of people going out to eat to, to new restaurants or old favorites and things like that. Um, Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's it, a bummer. It is a bummer. Well, we'll, we'll try to turn the corner a little bit since, uh, we're an Islanders podcast and you are an Islander awesome. fan. T- <laughs> I am. Um, so you grew up on Long Island. When did you become an Islander fan? Are you, are you, were you around young enough, too young rather for, uh, for the dynasty or did you kind of come on, uh, a little bit after that? So, no, I came on during the dynasty cause my grandmother was a huge, so me and my dad, who I'm very close with have a very bizarre relationship as far as sports team goes. You know, most, most kids, uh, follow whatever sport that they're brought, whatever team home team that they've been brought up on where my dad's mm-hmm. a Rangers fan. I was an Islanders fan. My dad's a Yankees fan. I'm a Mets fan. Um, and we are, you know, we're both, we're both actual giants fans. So we would really, you know, back in the good old days where, you know, calling it the Metro division still seems bizarre because for me, it's the Patrick division. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, we were constantly going back and forth about the Islanders, the Rangers, and you know, I had my my nineteen forty chance were good for, for for a couple for a couple years. Um, and my grandmother was really the one who uh, got me into got me into the Islanders. She was a huge Bobby Nystrom fan. Um, I've actually met him a couple times at some you know during the, the dynasty years when you know the Islanders, Island, the famous Islander players were all over the place signing things. And I remember him having the largest hands of any like human I ever met. <laughs> he was, uh, his hands were monstrous at the time. Cause I was, you know, I was super young. I was born in 77. Um, okay. and I remember going, I remember going to, uh, uh, may have been 80 or 81. I don't remember the year. I remember going to, uh, being super tiny and sitting on my dad's shoulders, going to the parade, um, watching Billy Smith, you know, wave his beer around and getting fined <laughs> for his open containers and not caring. It was, it was awesome. That must have been a good, a big sacrifice for your dad as a Ranger fan to take you to an Islander. Yeah, parade. he's a much better, he's a much better, um, he's a much better loser than I am. He like, <laughs> he's way more, he's way more mild mannered. Like we've gone to some Islander Ranger games and like, I go absolutely crazy. And he's like, he kind of keeps his, he keeps it together a lot better than I do. I'm always curious about people who work in industries like I do. And obviously I'm there to watch the games and cover them, but, um, your your busy hours are when hockey is going on for the most part. How have you yep. managed to balance your fandom with your career through all these years? Uh, I mean, so I would say that I probably when I was when I was you know at rest when I was owning and operating restaurants, a lot of my hobbies definitely got pushed definitely <laughs> got pushed to the side. Where I'm a huge baseball fan, um, I'm a huge football fan, but hockey is the one sport for me that I just love to watch live. And I, it, it, I think it's just, it's the pace of the game. It's the aggression, um, and how, and how difficult it is to score. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just like every time the Islanders score, you, I just get so, I get so excited and like the Mets hit a home run or they score a run. It's cool. The giants like kick a field goal score, score a touchdown. It's cool, but nothing is like scoring in hockey for me. 
Um, so yeah, it's been, you know, I'm not operating any restaurants now. I started a consulting business, um, in, in, well, I've had the consulting business going for a while and then I focused on that mostly in 2016. So since then I've been watching, you know, a lot more hockey than, than, than I had in the past. Cause I've, you know, deliberately, uh, you know, kind of took a different path with my career so I could spend time with, uh, my, you know, my growing family. We, you know, my wife, and I had our first child in, in 16. So I decided to kind of take a break from the restaurant, the restaurant scene. So my sports, uh, my sports intake has certainly gone up. And is there for you, uh, as a fan thinking through all the games you've been to or watched, uh, you know, is there a, is there a fondest memory of a game that you were at that, uh, that always stands out for you over the years? Um, I mean, a couple of them, I mean, games at the, you know, games at the old barn, in the, you know, the eighties and nineties were awesome. You know, there's just not a lot of, I mean, the, I, I just went back, I went back there for the first time in years this year to an Islanders Rangers game. And I hadn't been back since they kind of did a mini renovation on it and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of make it a little bit, you know, a little nicer, but I mean, the place used to be a dump, right. But it was awesome because <laughs> it's so loud and the fans are so riled up. Um, so I think that I went to a playoff game and I went to, I took my son to a playoff game at Barclays last year and one of my close friends helped, um, helped, helped fund, helped fund that, that, that stadium. So mm-hmm. we got like, we had, I'd never been to a game on, on the ice. We were basically oh, like okay. right next to the press box and with my son and he was banging on the glass and it was <laughs> pretty, it was, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you're a Brooklynite now, and uh, there's not a lot of Islander fans who have good things to say about the Barclays experience. Um, uh, it's not. It's not great. No, it's not because <laughs> I've gone there. I've gone there independently a couple times, and it's just you know, it's we're uh, Islanders. We're blue collar fans, right? And they've kind of priced. They they very much priced out going there on a regular basis. It's just not. It's just not affordable. It's silly. There's no reason for it, and they just let the stadium sit half empty, and they don't offer deals. It's it's kind of depressing. We'll continue with Harold here in a second, but let's hear from Roman first. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Well, now we'll dive into uh, what just ran on our site last week. And Harold had told me before we got on that he uh, dutifully filled out uh, our Islanders fan survey, uh, along with uh, about 2,200 other subscribers and Islander fans, which was a great number to see and a lot of interesting and fun responses. So uh, if you don't mind, Harold, you can revisit some of the answers that you gave and uh, we'll expand on them a little bit to hear some more about your fandom and uh, and what you've thought of the Islanders over the years. So since you started, as you, as you mentioned, uh, as a Dynasty era fan, 
Uh, yeah. Would Would Bobby Nystrom be your favorite dynasty era Islander? It's hard. I mean, Mike Bossy is like phenomenal. Um, I, 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 I did, actually did pick Bossy on the on <laughs> on it, but Nystrom was like. It was more the you know he's just such a he's such a character and he's such a nice guy and he's still so involved in the Islanders so it's like really it's awesome I did pick I picked Bossy though but Nystrom is like he's right there it's if I could pick two I'd pick both of them Have you been watching you know MSG has been showing some of the the dynasty games and it's you know the 40th anniversary of the first Cup yep. victory so um, do you watch some of those games and and are you like me where I'm a few years older than you but I I marvel at at just how much the game has changed. I know it's the, the footage is a little grainier, but it's when you see goalies standing up and trying to kick pucks out, it feels like you're watching almost a different game. doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not nearly as fast, right? It's a definitely, right. it's a, it's a grittier, grindier game, which, um, I personally enjoy, like, I love the fighting. I love the, I love the grit. I lo- it's why playoff hockey is like, is the best for me. It's cause like it, it, you know, you bring back a little bit of this happy medium because the game is still fast, but it's definitely a way more physical game. Um, I, I like both. You know, I I, I like I enjoy, I have watched a couple of the games, not as much nearly as I, I would like to, but uh, um, I like both games. I like the pros and cons of both. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm maybe I'm biased because I've seen so many games over the last twenty years or so, but uh, it is it is to me such a faster game, and it's certainly guys like Bossy. You know, if his back hadn't given out. Yeah, I, I still I still truly believe we'd be talking about Alex Ovechkin chasing his goal record as opposed to Wayne Gretzky's. But um, but yeah, they, you know, there's definitely special guys that transcend any era, and and the Islanders had quite a few of them on those dynasty teams. It's crazy. It's really crazy, and I just don't. You know, I I don't know. I don't think there's ever been another franchise that's won four titles in a row. Has there been? Uh. No, no, I mean the Canadians did it kind of uh, right before them with winning five, but uh, right, since right, then, right, since the then, Canadians. there's no no sports yeah, team right. at all has won four and not even the Yankees in their in their heyday. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah and, right. and the, Canadian, 19, the Canadians did that a little bit before my time, I think. Right, and nineteen straight playoff series. Uh, it's uh, that's you know somebody may win four championships in a row in, in some sport, but nineteen straight playoff series wins. I don't think that's a record we're ever going to see broken. It's uh, it's super. It's just one of those that boggles the mind, I think, to a fan who doesn't isn't familiar with it. Yeah. Um, which uh, which non dynasty Islander deserves more love? There's there's been a lot of good players that have come through, maybe came through a little too fast for for some Islander fans uh, in the in the intervening years between the dynasty and now. Who who did you vote for, and who's kind of your favorite well, Islander from the Dark Ages? Sure. Pat Lafontaine. Okay. Oh well, yeah. I mean, he. Uh, I I. I held him to a very high standard first. Uh, I mean, the concussions with him, I mean, you, he, I, he definitely, he's not, you know, he wasn't at a Bossian level, but he was a very, I, I thought he was an excellent player and it was heartbreaking to see him to go to Buffalo for me. Yeah. He, uh, you know, uh, my strongest memory is the Easter Epic game. Uh, yeah. you know, when he won that one and, and, um, you know, it was, he, he kind of just it was just bad luck that he came along right at the time when when uh the Oilers were starting to become dominant but uh yeah. but yeah he was uh he was one of the most dynamic players of his era and um you know I think uh, the guy that uh, ended up wearing the same number 16 a few years later and Ziggy Palfy and they were I think yep. there was one one vote between the two of them in terms of our our poll but two guys that I think Palfy really played in a much more in a much darker era of Islander history yeah. but certainly yeah, equally yeah. skilled yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, that that Easter game was 
I remember my parents allowing me to stay up and watch that because it was Easter <laughs> the next day. And I was also uh, a huge, uh, huge Kelly Rudy fan at the okay. time. Um, and watching, he, he played a pretty spectacular game. If I recall against the yeah. Capitals, that was pretty, it was, it was an awesome game. Yeah. And then they had, to, and then they were, they were exhausted and had to play the flyers who were like <laughs> Ron Hextall and the, the group was just steamrolling everybody. And you're just like, oh, this is never going to happen. Uh, yeah. It, it has been amazing to see over the years that, uh, some of the near misses that they've had of, of being able to, to kind of catch fire in the playoffs and whether yeah. it's falling short in the first round or when the when the path opened up for them and yeah it's i'm sure i'm sure me mentioning that is just making your head hurt a little bit to think of all the <laughs> all the times that uh they yeah. didn't quite come through yeah. now um saying that you like the fighting I, I would imagine that our question about who is your favorite all-time islander enforcer was uh, was a good one so who is your guy that you love to see drop the gloves and why mick vakota <laughs> he just like just was ready. Just he was just good to go. And then like seeing him, you know, they've had on on MSG, they've had a lot of uh, a lot of interviews with the guy, and he is really he's really interesting to listen to. On top of that, it's like yeah, he's not like one of these dumb. He's not a dumb goon. He's like he's very articulate and smart and well spoken and like and like you know very charismatic and like he's he just seems like super entertaining. It was it, that really put it over the top for me back in the day, and I used to love love watching him glove. I like watching, you know, I like Matt Martin too. Now he's like a good, he's like a good, I mean, Rush Johnson is just historical watching him like <laughs> drop the gloves and, you know, touch his nose with it. And it's like, it's a game to him. It's like, these guys are, it's just, it's just crazy how they can just turn that aspect of the sport on, drop the gloves. And like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a super violent person. So it's like the thought of me, like getting upset enough to hit someone is, is it, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, it is, it is funny to see so many votes for the current guys who are playing in an era when, you, you know, fight, you can't just get by being a fighter. I mean, Mick Vakota no. is still the all time penalty minutes leader, even though he played probably half the games with the Islanders that Matt Martin did. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a different era. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, yeah. Um, which team besides the dynasty teams was your favorite? Uh, what was a year for you that, uh, that kind of, uh, stands out in your memory as uh, as a great Islanders season. From, I mean, last year from last year for me was like, I was, I thought they were going to do it. I really mm. did. I mean, I, I think we, I, I, you know, I knew we needed, I knew we needed another goal scorer last year that didn't happen before the trade deadline, which really, really upset me with Lou. Um, I thought last year, especially the way the defense was playing, um, you know, that first series, the first series against Pittsburgh, we just ran through them, and I was like, "Wow, we're on fire right now." And then the second season, the second series came, and the, the goaltending wasn't quite the same. The defense was a little softer, and we just couldn't we couldn't score. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and then you know, jumping back to another one, I, I, you know, the 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 season where where Turgeon got got. I'm jumping ahead to one of your other questions where Hunter <laughs> took out Turgeon, which was that's right, 1993. Brutal. I was. I was in Spain. I was in Spain on a trip during that, and one of my good friends and I were we were following along um, through Spanish TV and some newspaper stuff, and we saw that happen, and we were just like, we, we couldn't believe it. Wow, that uh, I mean, it's obviously pre-internet, pre-cell phone era, so um, you must have just been left to sit with wondering how that possibly came about, or why you know how it all happened. That an incident with Dale Hunter and Pierre Turgeon—that's probably one of the 
One of the five or ten uglier ones in the history of the NHL, I would say, at least the recent history of the NHL. It must have been, uh, as a teenager, that must have been a crushing blow. Yeah, that, I mean, and, and you know, when, you know, Tavares kind of jerked us around, that was really difficult, too. That was, you know, I know, I, I know depending on, you know, the, the info you were given or where you stood on it, for me as a fan, you know, you got to know, like, the way the sport, the way the sport works. It's like, if you're not going to come back, you just have to give the team the opportunity to get to get something for them, you know. It's just very. It was very difficult to lose them and not even get a pick or anything for them. So I imagine you were one of you might have you considered a write-in vote for Tavares and Biggest Islander villain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still put, I, I I put Hunter, but like, I, look, I, I I don't know I don't know John, but I you know I've gotten the sense that he's kind of a stand-up guy. And he's not like he, he doesn't come across as like being a douchey type of guy. Right. Yeah. I just think it was a massive like it was a it was a heartbreaking. It was it was pretty heartbreaking because I, I was under the impression that there was a chance we were going to resign. him. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I think I think you feel the same as a lot of Islander fans do that uh, it's going to be a long time before you're able to kind of accept what he was able to do in his in his time with the Islanders, as opposed to thinking about how it all ended, so um, it's not an unre- it's not an unreasonable stance. Yeah, and I you know I don't even know if he would fit in with the with the scheme of the game. I think he would because he's an incredible player, but it's you know it's definitely a different it's a different it's a different type of game that Barry runs than you know the way you know the way things were when he was when he was an Islander. For sure, and I would imagine that uh, given your you and your dad's uh, uh, different allegiances, that you feel the Rangers are are and always will be the Islanders' biggest rival. Oh, without a, without question, without <laughs> without question, without question. I, I'm very I'm scared of the Rangers. I think they're going to have a phenomenal team in next year or two. Um, and I'm worried about the Islanders because we're kind of a, we're an older team, right? I, I just feel like this right now is the time where we need to. We really need to drop the hammer and make something happen because nobody's getting younger. That's true. So that leads me to my last uh, survey question that I'll throw at you. Do you feel the Islanders can contend for a cup in the next five years? I do. I do. Um, I do. I mean, what do we? Uh, I think goaltending is a big question. You know, we're, I, I looks like we're going to sign Sorokin. We got to have. We got to have him. Yeah, it looks that way. I mean, it's it's given the the situation in the world it's always uh that yeah. throws things a bit into into chaos but uh it does look that way so yeah so i think that's that's a huge get um if that happens yeah it's going to be fun to see th- that rivalry which uh yeah. you know hasn't always been, it's been very rare when both teams have been good i think i think really maybe 2014-15 and 2015-16 was kind of the, the the longest stretch for a long time when both teams were really competitive and made the playoffs and if the Islanders had managed to to show up in game seven and 15 against Washington, it would have been an Islander Ranger yeah. playoff series at long last. But, um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun to see both those goalies grow. They're, they're good friends, Shesterkin and Sorokin and, uh, and kind of yeah. see the teams that they put around them. Yeah. I mean, and the play style is so different, right? The Rangers yeah. are so aggressive. They, they they love to push their defense up to the blue line and poach, and the Islanders are much more conservative and more grindy. And it's I, I'm yeah I'm super I'm super excited about it. That's good. Um, you know I I kind of feel like um, 
you're the sort of fan that maybe has a little bit of a glass half empty view, which is not an uncommon viewpoint among <laughs> Islander fans. Do, do you? Uh, I, have a, I have a huge chip on my shoulder. <laughs> do you feel like, um, you know, but obviously it sounds like you miss the sport. Do you feel like, you know, we were talking about restaurants and how they're going to come out of it. How do you, how do you see hockey, you know, your favorite sport uh, coming out of this? You know, there's talk about teams getting together for training camps uh, in the next couple of months and trying to finish uh, with a kind of a unique style postseason. Yeah, what's your feeling on that? The 24, <laughs> the 24 team, uh, like 20, playoff, what little wrong? I, I kind of like it. I feel like um, if there's a time to try something different, now yeah, is the time. Be- I because, agree. Because nothing is normal right now, and it's not going to be for a long, long time. So um, there's, no, there's no shame in including more teams, especially if they're big market teams like the Rangers in Chicago yeah. and Montreal. Um, the financial security and health of the league is important for everybody. Um, It's just the logistics of it. And that, you know, I think everybody's makes these calculations about their own personal safety and in expanding their circles every day. So it's, uh, it's hard to think about how they're going to pull it off, but I don't have to worry about it too much. Um, As a fan, how, how eager are you to see it come back? And as someone who's, who does go to games, do you envision yourself going to games sometime in the, in the next couple of years? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm super excited about it. I mean, you know, from a selfish perspective, like the Islanders couldn't have used the break at a better time because they were absolutely floundering. Um, so, but I, I miss hockey. I miss all sports. Um, I, I don't know about going to games. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I had really, you know, hadn't been to, hadn't been to the Coliseum in close to the last two decades, you know, so, um, move for the move to Belmont. I'm sure I'll check it out once it's safe and uh, once it's open. You know, once or twice. But I just for me the commute is the commute's a nightmare. Like traveling during traveling during rush hour, doing a you know reverse commute during rush mm-hmm. hour um, is it was a nightmare. The last game I went to an hour Ranger game a couple months ago at the Coliseum. You know, it took me over it took me over two hours from Brooklyn to get to the game. So it's just Oof. like not. <laughs> Not something that, uh, not something I'm probably planning on doing, but I, uh, I watch every game at home. All right, great. Well, this has been really fun. Uh, Harold Dieterle, Top Chef winner, restaurateur, chef, huge Islander fan. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, giving us some of your time. Yeah, my pleasure, Arthur. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. We'll be back again with you next week. And if for those who don't subscribe yet, if you're interested, we've got a 40% off deal uh, to subscribe to The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont to check it out. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.